Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. But uh, I'll be focusing most of my attention, however, upon the, the, the actual actions of the people themselves and how that relates to us and our functionality. Before I go to my spiel uh, regarding this, anything that, that's critical that's not related to the actions of the people or how they relate to us that you have any questions on? If you have any questions on those other, other things like the, the, the furniture items or anything else like that, that nature, uh, ask it now and I can answer real quickly. Otherwise, we'll move on to what I want to discuss. It's really not much of a question. It's more just a comment about this whole process of the temple. You know, God laid it out initially really nicely, and I don't think it ever really shows that he wanted that second permanent temple. David wanted to do it. Solomon wanted to do it. By the time they got to the rebuilt temple, you had every crook involved in the Middle East, and they had six, at least six different sects of Judaism. So, so the original setup, the way he wanted us to do it, I think, is emphasized. So don't break, don't feel brokenhearted that the temple came down. I don't, I don't ever see <laughs> God's emphasis that he was really waiting for that place. As, as a general rule, I think you're right. <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's a few people written articles about that. Granted, they're a thousand years ago they wrote them, but they were discussing uh, the 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 attempt to rebuild the temple that happened around. Uh, it was like 400 or 500 AD, and the destruction that God continued to fires, the earthquakes, he threw at it to make sure it couldn't happen. I think he has no, no personal you know, you know, desire necessarily that the temple happened to be look the way that Solomon made it, or nothing wrong with Solomon or David. It's just, it's just that that doesn't appear to be his primary drive. Um, okay. So we, in this, in this tour portion... Sorry, David, oh, go ahead. one more. Oh, okay. Hello? Okay, it kept emphasizing yeah, according to God's, um, you know, according to God, it kept saying that like three or four times. So, I mean, I this... Actually, many times. You're many right. times yes. he says that over and over. And so, um, when God repeats something, it's something we should take notice of. And um, I, I just, and also, I, I, we got to, we went all the way to 40, right? Yeah. So, well, and then he, yeah, was, he, he was talking about they would pick lots and they would go to the Irma, the Yuma, and... It just, I, that really, uh, I mean, I was thinking about, I don't know if they asked a yes or no question and, or, um, you know, it makes me think of a tablet that we have today, you know, right. you know, Google, you know, how many, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just wondering, really Google. <laughs> maybe they had, that was, you know, we are way behind, you know, I, I think that they were much more advanced than we, we, we know because, you know, um, there were, they were, there's pictures on caves of people having brain surgery and doing all kinds of things. But mostly it's just that I, I just was wondering if you're going to touch on the time, how many times God said according to his pattern. And that there, this yeah. is obviously something that's not on earth. Actually, that, that topic does come up in what I want to discuss today. Because uh, there is a distinct lack of something that we're going to mention we get to there. And how, why this, at, it, it was uh, made as God commanded, it was God should Moses, and why that 
is put in its place. We'll discuss when we get to that point. But yes, we are going to talk about that because it's, it's interesting. So that Messiah kind of alluded to uh, later on, uh, which is an interesting way of looking at things about what is and what is not good. Anyway, before we get to, we'll get there shortly there. So uh, the other question, we'll jump into this because that is part of our topic of discussion uh, as we get there. Uh, so jumping into the Viking and Pinuke. So it covers obviously a lot of, it's mostly the building of the tabernacle. We already covered the chapters preceding that discuss, you know, all the different stuff, things that God said, make, make this, make that, make it look like this, that kind of thing. That's the previously recorded data. And now, of course, from from, from 35 onward is where they actually physically build it, right? So this is just, it's just the, the imp- implementation of what God already said to make. So nothing shocking, nothing unusual. Um, the only thing that does come up is the sequence of events are a little bit different. The shuffling as far as w- what God described, the order described versus the order it was built. That's where the only primary differences, which are not, not really huge, except one, which we'll cover, we'll cover that uh, right now. You will note which you discussed in the past years have gone by through this, this uh, Torah portion and other, other, uh, other years have you covered it. Um, God obviously starts out, so Moses already starts out in chapter 35, verse 1, says, hey, uh, first of all, uh, Shabbat, you came to take rest. Right? You aren't going to do anything. We have limits. We have all the stuff to build. We have the stuff that's really important to make. It's all God's house. It's really important. However, you're not working on a Saturday. You're taking, or I shouldn't say Saturday. You're doing a Shabbat. We call it Saturday today, but the, who knows what what Moses called it? Anyway, so the Shabbat we don't take, we don't don't work, even though you have be working for God and God's uh, philosophy or God's uh, house, I should say. This is an interesting topic. So uh, it starts out that way, and that God, sorry, Moses first says, "Hey, we're taking Shabbats off." Everybody got that. Now we're going to discuss what we're going to actually be building, all the stuff for God's home. And we ask ourselves, well, why does Moses introduce God's construction with, hey, we're going to take Saturdays off? Uh, God does mention it in the, in the topic while he's talking to Moses uh, fairly late in, 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 his, in his leading up to it. But now at this point, Moses starts out with this. And it's interesting because I was looking at this this past week because I was curious what modern uh, Christian commentators and Christian theologians believe or think about this topic. And I was actually, honestly, uh, a little bit surprised at what the responses and the different articles published on it from different uh, Christian sects uh, on, on this particular topic. I was a little surprised because they came back and saying, as far as Christians are concerned, there is no Shabbat. So, well, wait, what? <laughs> this is a, in, 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 in modern Christian, not in every Christian theology, not in every every individual sect, but many of them do have this general teaching, and that the principles and regulations of Shabbat, meaning not working, uh, no killing fire, things like that nature, that are in the Torah, uh, so those are done away with. They nailed the cross and gotten rid of. So we don't have a Shabbat as a term, as far as a Torah is concerned, or most concerned, or thinks of as Shabbat, a day of rest. But rather, they have a day of Sunday, which they typically most of, obviously, some are Saturdays, some are various days they choose, the Sundays which they, they get together and have their lessons or their teachings or their worship service, whatever you want to call it, but uh, they have no issues with individuals before or after that service, whatever it is, going off and going to work or doing their normal thing. So, they don't have a particular Shabbat per se. And I was, I was a little bit surprised because I had heard that concept uh, in a few small Christian churches like years ago, but I didn't realize how, how prevalent it actually was. And how and modern Christian teachings. Now it's not 100. It's not all of them, 
but I was kind of surprised at that because obviously it's not uh, what we know, well, at least not this congregation or most congregations I've ever been to ever teaches. Quite the opposite. Saturday is your, or Shabbat, sorry, sorry, clever words. Shabbat is your day of rest. You don't work. You don't do things on Shabbat, it, meaning your own pleasures. And we have that pretty much based on the Torah and the Tanakh and the different, uh, the different uh, prophets discuss the, the concept. But in Christian teaching, they don't, don't typically teach that so much anymore. And I was a little surprised. But it's not too shocking because while it may, in, in a, the, the, the reason being listed as far as with the articles that I read about this is that uh, they argued that, the, that because the death penalty applied is not in application, no longer applied anymore for violations of it. Therefore, the observance is eliminated as well. And although that may be a reasonable argument in some capacity, um, to me, that is not a reasonable argument. Um, it's the same principle if I had said, for example, uh, uh, somebody, somebody steals from me, a thief. Okay, Why, If I say, well, I'm not going to press charges on this thief who's stolen from me, which was th- stealing is wrong. I'm going to press charges. Uh, therefore, because I'm not pressing charges, no penalties for it. Uh, therefore, it's okay to go steal. That's not, that's not, it's not a, there's not, there's a logic there as far as that process. But the reason I bring it up is because uh, there's the, the, why did Moses start out this building with Shabbat being the important starting point your, for your foundation, your beginning point, your step number one is your day of rest, day which you don't do things. Um, yeah, <laughs> just where, where there is no penalty, there is no law. Yay! <laughs> I like that. <laughs> penalty, yeah, penalties don't apply, laws don't apply. It doesn't it doesn't quite work that way. But um, interesting philosophy, right? Uh, it, it, but it, it, so I went into this because uh, I was curious what other other religions had taught or were teaching, I should say, on this. So Moses puts it as the beginning start out point. As far as you're going to build God's temple, but you're going to start out with. You see, you go to rest. You're going to not work on God's day, or God's day, day of day of rest. And I bring this up because uh, there's a few things that brought that, that have brought up over the years, and one of them is uh, the tabernacle itself. What what they are in fact building. So think about it this way. This is how I want a picture. I'm setting the stage here for for conceptually speaking. Is that they're building all these furniture items. They have pretty stuff. They got you know. The fabric, they got the gold, they got the furniture, they have, you know, covers and, and various things they're building. I'm sure it looked beautiful. I wasn't there. I don't know, but I'm sure it looked beautiful. And we have to ask ourselves, what is this place? What is it? Well, it's a it's a it's a it's a dwelling place, a, a hangout joint, a spot where God's gonna, you know, live, or not really live, live, but hang out or 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 show up or or be. At different times, like a home, yeah, like a, like kind of like you would do it as a home. That was not truly home because like the whole, yeah, it's bed and breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good funny way putting it. <laughs> anyway, um, it's not really a home per se, like as he lives there forever because he's all over the place. But the point is, it's it's a symbolic version of it. And God spent the time to show this this picture, these these, these parts, these 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 items to Moses, so he had an understanding of what he wanted built. And we think, well, okay, what is it he's building? Well, he's building a home. Look at this, a home. Now, it's not a permanent home. It's not like it's a, like we think of a home per se. It's more accurately, as, as he points out, a place to dwell. 
It's well, two L's or one. Well, that doesn't matter. Two L's, thank you. So it's a place to dwell. So he's going to he's home. He's going to hang out there for a little while. But this is just an ordinary home because he's not, he's not there permanently. But he asks himself, okay, in this home, we're going to build a home for him. When I think of home, just the concept of home, a place I can hang out at, this is not the place where they go as work. Because I go to a place, so me work from home, I get that. But I go to a place, or in, if I'm working from home, I go to like a, a, a computer desk, whatever, a closet. <laughs> this, this, is my, this is my workspace versus my home space. Home space is not the same as workspace, typically. Whether you're physically at a work or you've, you've allocated an office in your house or a computer desk in your house, you're working versus when you're not working. We, we, we separate the two of them, right? Okay, yeah. Home, yeah, okay. Yeah. Home, homeschool moms don't get that. I get that. That's true. But the rest of us do. <laughs> okay. So I apologize for you and your condition. But. <laughs> So the rest of us get a separation between home and work. Homeschool moms, homemakers typically don't, but that's the rest of us do. So in God's case, I'm going to use this analogy that works for for, for my comprehension. So I, I, if if I think of a new new analogy for homeschools, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Anyway, so in the case of home and dwelling, I don't work at home, meaning it's my place which I can relax, rest from my work. That's the idea. That's the cons behind it. Some of us think it's like, okay, when you're sleeping at night, that's fine too. It's all resting. The idea is constant a place to rest or dwell. That, that, that this, this place which he's going to hang out at. I'm not saying God doesn't work. He works all the time. The point is that the idea is that the, a place of rest, a place which he can, he can relax. So if I'm building a place, a home or a dwelling place for God to hang out at, I, the, the closest that I myself can relate to that is a home, is my own physical home, like where, where my family is at, where I'm hanging out. That is, my, that is my closest relation that I can spiritually or physically understand a dwelling place for God. So when I think of a home, I go home from work, for example, or I'm tired from my day, my day's been busy, I want to sit down or, or, or I don't drink but do something, read a book, whatever I want to do. Um, sit down, I want to rest for a while. And that's what I want to do. I want to rest at home. So I'm building a home place, a place of God. Well, we have this concept of rest in, as far as Hebrew is concerned, it's the idea of Shabbat, which we, of course, we, we, we associate Shabbat with with peace because it's your idea you wouldn't, you wouldn't be working, you wouldn't be struggling. So it's a Shabbat and a Shalom concept when we associate our, 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 our dwelling place of home. If it's not a place of rest, it's not a place which is pleasant to be at, then we don't want to be there. So the idea is when we build a place of, for God to dwell, it's the closest wishes that I have as a human being is my home, a place which I'm going to dwell at. And I, when I come home, I want to rest from my day's work or my troubles or my toils or struggles. I want to set them, set them aside. I, however I want to do that, that's how I want to do it. The Shabbat concept is a spiritual uh, identity, a spiritual idea, a spiritual marker that makes this relationship make sense. If I come home and it's not restful, it's not a Shabbat type of place, what do I want to do? I go back to work. <laughs> I can get more rest there if I'm homeless miserable, right? I'll go do something else. I'll go somewhere else or I'll make a new home, whatever it takes. If it's unpleasant, I don't want to be there. Now, as to Alex's point, 
when he said as far as God's, you know, common, not common, but God, the, the concept as far as the temple that Solomon built and, and was later rebuilt and a couple of times I repaired a few times along the way, those processes, if, if, if God allows the temple itself to be destroyed, what does it tell you as far as God sees that temple? Was it a place which he can rest and have peace? Because we know. Like I said, if I come home, my home was miserable. It's awful and screaming and yelling and fighting, whatever. I'll go back to work. <laughs> it's more pleasant. At least I can work, work by myself in peace and quiet. So, so do I want to come home again? Of course not. Uh, I, I'll leave it. I'll go to find another home. I'll, I'll, I'll do something else, but I won't go to that spot, that place. So if God comes along and says, okay, you built this temple for me, or back up, backtrack a little bit, Moses, you built this tent for me. If it is an unpleasant place, place that I don't want to dwell in, the God says, I don't want this. This is not tolerable to me. What's he going to do? Abandon it, right? The concept of being, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to go there. I'm not going to be there. I don't want this. It's not useful to me. So we have this concept of we as human beings can relate to this idea of a place of rest, a place of, of relaxation, of not struggling, not fighting, not, not, not working. Well, the same principle works for this dwelling place, the temple of God, the same concept. So when I deal with a physical thing like a temple or, or tabernacle or this tent, as well as my home, which I can relate these two things together personally, I can see their, their, their similarities, I associate with a place of resting, a place of peace. That's what I associate with. And so Moses starts out with, thank you, thank you, dear, for making my house so peaceful. Yes. <laughs> so Moses starts out with, hey, start out with the fundamental principle of what you're building. You're building a place of rest for God, therefore rest. Understand what rest is, understand the end goal, the objective, the, 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 the singular purpose behind this structure. If we get the concept behind it, then we can get the purpose and, and how to utilize it and respect it accordingly. If I am building a place of work, building a, a tower or whatever I'm going to build, it's not a place of rest, a place of work. Hence, I work and work and work, and I focus on the work. By building a place of rest, I want to comprehend what is rest and then build it accordingly. So, this is, so this, it's a great start out for Moses. So you're building a God house of rest, therefore, understand understand rest. Um, so, it is building a place of rest. So, this, it kind of makes sense to us as far as how, how, this is how I'm viewing it. Now you may, this, is the, this is how I view it. This is Daniel H's opinion on this, as far as how I view starting out building God's house of rest with the concept of rest to begin with. Now, the great things about uh, our Bibles, and it happens to discuss awesome stuff. Uh, in particular, it says, uh, as far as the type of temple that, we, that we're building. So, obviously, which we read, which... Um, this Rose read it um, in Hebrews 8, discuss the concept of, of, of a house or a temple that, that the Lord's, but that man does not build. Well, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, we, we can jump there actually, might as well do it now, we have the opportunity. So 1 Corinthians 3, we've discussed this many times, we're just going to reread it in 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, we'll jump down to verse. We'll do verse five. First, so three, verse First Corinthians three. This is from uh, verse five going through till 
I could stop at 17. I might stop. I might, might choose to the end of the, of, of the chapter. So, so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. <clears throat> now, by you, this, the, this is the concept where we're, we're, we're discussing this in the, in the, with the glasses on of the concept of building a house or building a structure, building something on God's behalf. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. So, who then is Paul or who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave each to one of, each one of us? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So, then neither he plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. If we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another one builds upon it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which has been laid, which is Jesus the Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort of work it actually is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as, to, so as he going, going through fire. Uh, do you not know that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. The temple of God is holy, which you are. So, in this concept we're discussing in 1 Corinthians 3, in the same picture of you building God's house, well, if we're a temple of God, the principle that God's dwelling was where we're the building or God's building, and our foundation course is Messiah. Now, we, we continue to build our houses. I mean, I'm getting older. We all get older. We all age. We all age, not just physically, but also in wisdom, experience, well, hopefully wisdom. <laughs> experience, at least, if not wisdom, at least experience. You learn more along the way. And as a result, your house builds, a new brick gets put on top or whatever you're building, it's put on top and it continues to grow. Now, if for some reason we come across a, a, an experience, a life knowledge, life lesson that is of no value, but we stand on it and thinking it's great, as he points out, hey, it's going to be tested. And when it's tested, it may get burned and you're going to fall. Not necessarily destruction, but you're going to fall. You're going to hurt. You're going to have a loss. And then hopefully, you, after this experience of realizing, hey, that life lesson I was standing on was garbage, didn't realize that, now I know, I will no longer stand on that life lesson, I've learned my lesson, now I've, I've gotten better or built something new or better than what was once there. That's a good thing. Those are all, as mentioned earlier um, uh, in, the, in the prayer session, the concept of being crushed or being pressed. Yeah, you're learning, okay, is this that I built a good thing or is being tested and find out, whoops. It wasn't so good. Yeah, these are pretty simple concepts. We understand these things. Nothing complicated about this. So most of the stuff is pretty straightforward as far as what's being built, as far as how this process, is, process works. Now, that we all know that they were designed to be, as according to, to, to the New Testament concepts, initial writings, a shadow of things to come. So these are, and also the Torah does say that this is what, according to what God showed Moses on the mountain. So uh, 
God is displaying this to Moses. Now, I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know what, exactly what it looked like per se. So, but whatever was being displayed, uh, this is God is God is using this or most using this to to build what God wants built. Now, as God builds this dwelling place, this 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 tabernacle through Moses and the people who are building it and putting it together, these are great things they're doing. It's wonderful, good signs and and wonderful stuff. But again, remember that God says, "Hey." or Moses actually gave the instruction from God initially that, hey, don't forget, you will rest. This is your marker identifier of me that I belong to. and You belong to me. Is that your day of rest so that God will dwell inside of you during this building process, which is good. Um, now, what I want to bring some attention to, because I'm going to start shifting our conversation. This is just our foundational laydown. If you must run through this, so I should be done pretty, pretty quickly here. Um, we go through this. You'll note that in uh, the, 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 the people themselves unified together. They grouped together in different capacities. So Moses sent the, sent the issue out, hey, bring your stuff. And we brought their stuff according to their heart. I mean, what they, were, they were motivated by their heart in verse 5. The gift according to was motivated by their heart. Therefore, the gift itself could be gold, silver, you know, the precious metal items, gems, stones, that kind of thing. Or it can also be, you know, clothing, fabric, things that are of lower value as far as like a dollar dollar value, but but still of great value, all the way down to the mirrors being used for checking how you look in the morning. <laughs> the whole whole thing. These are these are fundamental things. Some of them are greater value than others. But the point being, motivated by heart, we learned from Messiah in uh, Luke is recorded both in Luke and and Mark. Uh, I think. Uh, Luke 21, I think it is, or it's 20, at least 21, with the widow and the mites thing. You know, that, you know the story of the widow and the mites. And that she gave what, out of her poverty, he said, hey, she gave more than the rich people were giving. That's not because of her nominal value. It's what she had, and she gave so much of what she had. It is the motivation of the heart. The gift is not in its financial value. It's in the motivated person who's giving. So whatever I have, I give. Those things that those are the valuable items. So it's not so much that that I can I can utilize it in some financial capacity, pay my bills with it. It's just what is the motivated gift, the, the motivation, the desire to give. That's what the value is. Whether it's great or low in monetary value is not relevant. It's a gift itself, and because in First Corinthians sixteen, the gift is for service. The idea is it's being to serve someone or something. In this case, of course, serve, serving the temple of God being being built. But the idea is that you are giving it. It's a value because it's 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 because you're giving it because you're willing to give it up. Whatever it is, that's the value principle. But go back to the concepts. We have these people who are unified in their concept. We have the people themselves have bringing forth generously whatever they have gold, silver, jewelry, that kind of thing, but also fabric and whatever else they need. They can give, I'm sure they had a lot of wood to use too, um, acacia wood. Given what they had, here, take this, use this. They were all joined together in this concept, which is not super common actually, to have everybody agree that this is what we want to do, and they all willingly give. Now, that's, not, that's just, just one of the components. You also note that, he, that it goes out of its way, the Torah goes out of its way, discuss the artisans, the people who are actually doing the work, that they were doing, hey, we have all this stuff coming in, and then they said, stop, we have enough. The artisans are, not, are, are, are basically being generous, hey, I have this skill level, I have the supplies I need, don't give me any more. 
we're done. We don't need anymore. So it's, there's, there, there's a, a fundamental uh, honesty being given by the artists. Now, I, I'm not saying anything give, uh, wrong with making a profit. The point is that when they have supplies coming in, because the people are willingly giving their stuff, the artisans are also willingly telling, hey, we have enough, no more, stop. Let's just build this. They're also giving of their own ability. Now, I'm not saying they weren't paid for some capacity. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. We don't have any evidence of them actually being paid per se. But the point is that they were being honest. I don't need to need any more. They weren't taking any profits off of it. So that's a value too, as far as they're the, 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 still also, the artisans were at one purpose. They actually, the workmen themselves were also the same one purpose. Matter of fact, some of them were probably the generous givers too. People who were giving as well as the ones who were, who were working at it. So they, they, they had the same capacity. So the people themselves were joined together in this, this singular purpose. They had this, this fundamental goal to build God's house, a place of rest. But not just that, it all doesn't end there because also because they had all this stuff, note that Moses told the people, stop bringing it. Now, now we think that, well, that's strange because if I went to a church, for example, if I give, let's, I'm making these numbers up, so don't hold me to them. Let's say a church say, okay, guys, we need money. We have you know, a million dollars in our account. I'm making the number up, of course. Uh, our expense are a certain amount. Of, and and they, always, they always will accept more. Nothing wrong with getting more money. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that. The point is that the, 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 the value, the continuous increase that's going, and it could be, it could be any organization. This could be a church. It could be a, a, any type of, 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 of volunteer organization, any type of, of, of nonprofit. I don't care what did be a difference. You continue gathering money in, which is, which is nothing, nothing disrespectful about that. But in the case of Mosaic, stop. Not only is the work done, um, we're not collecting any more for anyone, including me, Moses. So push back. It's you, you, you keep it. You keep it all. It's all yours. That's what you got. So Moses, who is kind of like, if I use this analogy, like a king of sorts, he's not really a king, but he's kind of like one as far as he's in charge of everything. Kings don't do that. If I went to my president and say, hey, I know we have lots of money in our, in our bank because you, you guys print it. Um, here's an extra you know, $800 trillion to give to you because I just have it. I didn't print it. Let's, just, let's, let's print it. It's real. Is he going to say, no, 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 no. Keep it. I don't need it. As we mock, of course you wouldn't say that. <laughs> okay, it's like thank you, you got yeah, heaven sent all this money I can spend. So the idea is that 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 they would never say no, 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 keep it. They say no, oh, yeah, I'll take it. We'll keep to give more, give more, give more. So, but Moses, unlike a king who would say please give more, I don't say please, they just say give more. Um, the, the tax increase taxes. He's actually no stop, keep it. So Moses is not accumulating anything for himself, which is great because it comes again later with Korah. Moses said, I didn't take anything from anybody. So it, you, they, they, these guys can't say, I'm, I'm, they can't accuse me of, of, of stealing. So not only the people are in unity of purpose, they, they were being generous to, to they have one target goal. The artisans are being very honest because the accounting course is listed as, as an honesty check to make off and make sure that everything's being accounted for. The honesty was also there and in the artisans, the workmen. And of course, Moses being obviously uh, 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 not accumulating as far as saying, hey, I don't want any of this stuff. I don't need the wealth. This is not a benefit to me. This is just to keep what you've got. All groups. So we have the leadership, we have the actual workers and the, and the people who are designing it. And the, they're all working for the same unified purpose. God's house, a place to dwell, a place to be at rest with. I bring this up because we're going to jump to the book of Acts. Because this is repeated in a symbolic form and physical form in the book of Acts. 
So the book of Acts, the first part, we wrote Acts chapter two, which covers a same unified purpose. Now, I say unified purpose because in John 17, verse 20 something, like 2021, 20, 22, so that ballpark, Messiah says, Hey, I want the disciples to be as one, just as you and God and I are one. We ask us, Well, what does that mean? Well, we, we, we understand what it means in that Acts explains what he means by it because that's what actually physically happens. So we have the book of Acts, jump to chapter two, we're to verse uh, 42. It's, uh, where is it? Two, oh yeah, here it is. So Acts chapter two, verse 42, <clears throat> we'll also go to chapter four uh, in a few minutes as well, which, which continues on this, this topic. So Acts two, verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among, among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we have this example saying, okay, well, what kind of, so this Messiah, what did you mean when you say that they be one as you and I are one? Well, Messiah and God had one fundamental purpose. That is the forgiveness of sins attached to the justification process, the payment for them, and the salvation of all the people. To save people, we call them to save you. That's the whole point. They had one fundamental purpose. So they had one goal in mind. So they had one goal in mind. So that's the same fundamental purpose that the Messiah and Jesus had. Well, and the people themselves, the apostles, when they actually live it, they have this example. They have this experience, this 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 this, this uh, association, or, or we have an understanding of what one purpose or one being at one together means. This continues on in Acts chapter four, which has a has a, a negative ending in chapter five, but the same principle though. The idea is the same. So let's the key one in this. We'll jump down to Acts chapter four, uh, starting in verse thirty-two. Now, uh, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace upon all, them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses and sold them and, and, and brought the, the proceeds of the things that were sold and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And, uh, uh, and Joseph, yeah, who, who was also named Bar Barnabas by the apostles, who translated as son of encouragement, a Levi the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So again, we have this concept of, hey, we're all together in on this. We all have one purpose of function. Now remember that in Corinthians 3, the principle being that we, me, you, you know, friends, family, loved ones, who believes in Messiah, we are the temple of God. We are the functional temple of God, the tabernacle being dwelt, dwelling place that God's being made. That's us. It's me, it's you, it's her, it's him. It's 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 the people around that follow God. So they have the same, they are technically, as you term symbolically or, or metaphorically speaking, they are building God's temple, building God's house with people. People are coming in, God is Messiah is growing it. Through, 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 through the apostles' actions.
Now, of course, there are obviously there are failures along this, which of course chapter six, chapter six of Acts discusses a failure, a person who is who is not at one with the purpose of building a dwelling place for God or a temple or a tabernacle or a house of God's. Is a Acts chapter five to you on? It says, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, uh, sold but a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, brought a certain part and laid at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, why has uh, Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price and land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it still not your own? Why have you con- conceived this thing in your heart and you have not, and, and you have not lied to men, but to God? Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened to her husband. And Peter answered, uh, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such amount. And she said, Oh, yes, for such amount. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed? together to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her body, and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon those who had heard these things. Now, I'm reading that portion not because to, 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 to put a damper on the idea of being oneness. That is that when you're building God's house, a dwelling place for God, you have a purpose, a functional purpose, a singular objective. We have the example in the Torah that people had a singular objective. I'm going to generously give of whatever I have is what I've got. Some have lots, some have little. They give what they can give according to their heart, what they can give. People who are building the house, hey, this is honesty. We're doing the best we can. We don't need any more. This is just, just we, have, we have enough. This is sufficient, just like the apostles say, hey, we're given to you as you need, not to gain profits, anybody make an individual person wealthy, but just as you need, and that's sufficient. This, the, the symbolism is very, very similar. So the book of Acts and, and Exodus in this, in this Torah portion actually have very similar concepts being behind them. The people themselves are all working together for a single objective. So we have this idea of being, okay, as John 17 points out, says, hey, Messiah is saying, I pray that they'll be one as you, God, and I are one. What does that mean? Well, we, the, the manifestation or, or, or the example of what that looks like is there in the book of Acts. It means they have one purpose, not their one human being. That's absurd. They're one purpose. <laughs> okay. So you can't have you know, Peter and, and John, they have the same human, they're two different fleshes or flesh human beings, but they have the same purpose. The people who are with them, who are being grouped in as the temple builds, meaning the people themselves build in God's temple, God's uh, not the built the physical one, but also the spiritual one as far as humans are concerned, human beings being built, they have the same purpose, same function. So we have this great example that uh, God used both in the Torah portion as well as course and testament when Messiah adds or when the apostles are adding or adding explanations of what that means. It's a, a singular purpose, a singular goal in mind, both with your honesty, your generosity, your honesty, and uh, your, your, well, not, not profiteering, no, no, no personal gain. So it's just what you need. People give as they can give. And it's just what you're after. There's nothing more, nothing less that's needed. And of course, in 36, 36 verse seven of Exodus, it records that they had extra, so they had just a little more than they needed 
So there was no requirement for skimping on stuff. Thing I want to cover as well. Um, let's see, we cover it. Yes. So as I think it was, oh crap, I forgot which one of who brought it up. I think it was, was it Deborah? Uh, somebody brought it up. I think it was Deborah brought it up. You, she noted that there was a lot of repetition in the in the Torah portion about they built according to as God commanded or as God had shown Moses the mountain. It it's pretty much phrased the same way over and over and over again, lots and lots and lots of times. This is what I think is beautiful about this concept in, 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 in the apostles, what they were going through, is that what is good and what isn't. Uh, so you, you'll note that Moses doesn't go about patting everybody back, oh, good job, oh, that looks beautiful. We don't have any record of that, right? They say, oh, this is wonderful, you did everything. It's not recorded that way. It keeps being recorded as. Moses noting that it matched what God showed him on the mountain, or it matched according to the commands of God. That, that, that's, that's how he records it over and over and over again. He does that, which I think is pretty cool, because he never goes through and says, they did a great job. It was wonderful. Why not? I mean, who doesn't like to hear praise? Hey, good job. Good work today. Everything turned out wonderful. Great. Or you make a good meal. Hey, uh, this this didn't taste great. It's the best I've had in years, or whatever. Yeah, who doesn't like to hear good things like that? We all like those things. It's a wonderful stuff. But it, to be honest, it's not for somebody else's gain. It's for your own, isn't it? This is a good job. Like make me make me feel feel better. I feel better, which is nothing wrong with that. Doesn't everybody feel feeling better? feeling good about whatever you've done or haven't done. But who defines what is and isn't good? God does. As we have in Genesis chapter 1, after he thinks, and God said, and it was good, <laughs> and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. We keep having this repetition. And Messiah comes on with something that says, hey, good teachers, why are you calling me good? God's good. But he's pointing out, good is defined by God, the creator, he says what is good and what obviously what isn't. So he says what's good. Moses doesn't. You Messiah didn't. <laughs> God said so. So God's saying what is and isn't good. So Moses, in his humbleness, which is really awesome, is that he's going, hey, we're not just saying that this is good. This is just what God wants done. God decides what is and isn't good. The cool thing about that is Moses writes Psalm 90. And in Psalm 90, the tail end of it, the, uh, verse, I think it's 17. Did I write, wait, wait, did I write it down? Hold on. I'm going to read Psalm 90. I think I, think I have it written down somewhere. I marked it. I did. So Psalm 90. This is Moses' Psalm. We don't know the year he wrote it. We don't know how old he was. But the description to the tail end implies he wrote it sometime toward the tail end of at least at least after the exodus has already occurred, he wrote it sometime during the, either either they're wandering the wilderness for forty years or maybe the tail end of his life. We're not quite sure the exact year, but uh, in, in Psalm ninety, this is a great Christians quote this all the time. Jews quote this all the time as well. They're quoted quite frequently about the 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 the, the your lifespan. Anyway, so uh, Psalm ninety, sort of verse one. It's it's a short psalm. A prayer by Moses, the man of God of O Lord. You have been an abode for us in all generations. 
note abode. It's like something like a, a dwelling house, a tabernacle, so to speak. <laughs> another, another way of wording it. Before the mountains were born, and you had not yet fashioned the earth and the inhabited land, from the remotest past into the most distant future, you are God. You reduce man to pulp. You say, repent, O sons of men, for even a thousand years in your eyes are but a bygone yesterday and like a watch in the night. You flood them away. They become sleep-like. By morning, they are like grass that withers. In the morning, it blossoms and it is rejuvenated. By evening, it is cut down and brittle. For we are consumed by your anger and we are confounded by your wrath. You have set our iniquities before yourself, our immaturity before the light of your countenance. For all our days pass by because of your fury. We consumed our years like a fleeting thought. The days of our years among them are 70 years, and if we might, 80 years. Their proudest success is but toil and pain, for it is all cut off swiftly and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? As you are feared, so is your fury. Teach us to count our days, then we shall acquire a heart of wisdom. Return, Yehovah, until when? Relent concerning your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your kindness, then we shall sing out rejoice throughout our days. Gladness according to the days you afflicted us, the years which we saw evil. May your works be visible to your servants and your majesty upon their children. May the pleasantest of the Lord, our pleasantness of the Lord our God, be upon us. Our handiwork establish for us. Our handiwork establish it. I read this psalm on purpose because the tale in that psalm, the pleasantness of the Lord was the glory of the Lord, the kindness of the Lord be upon us and upon our handiwork. I bring this up because what happens? How do we find out whether all the stuff they did, all the stuff they built, their pretty furnishings, the dwelling place, the, the place where God can rest? How do we know that God says this is good? How do we know? We wouldn't, unless God says so. But he doesn't say so. He doesn't come back and say, hey, good job, everybody. Nothing of the sort. We do have Moses saying he blessed them. And tradition is he blessed them with that particular psalm. I don't know if that's true or not, but Jewish tradition is that, that he, 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 he rattled or, or right, recited off that psalm or some part of that psalm in that blessing. Who knows if it's true? It doesn't really matter. The point being, how do you know when God says, good job, well done, this is right, this is what I wanted? Other than Moses saying it matched what God showed me, okay, that's good. Well, how do we find out? He dwells in it. <laughs> God shows up. It tails in God as a tail in our Torah portion. God comes in and says, It's so awesome that God says, Yeah, I'll live there. As, as it concluded, as it ended in Exodus 40, God, God literally just, His presence comes. He hangs out in it because is God going to hang out in an unpleasant, untolerable, terrible dwelling place? No, it goes back to work. It's more pleasant. <laughs> and a nice home. It says, The cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire overnight. Instead of all the houses throughout their journeys, it dwelled, it came in, and the people who were serving had to actually leave because there's no room. God filled it all up. So how do we know it turned out good? God showed up, and he dwelt there. So let's bring this back to the apostles we're discussing with this concept of apostles. The apostles are all dwelling with an accord. How do we know it all turned out really well? God was pleased. 
His Holy Spirit's there. He's there. He's dwelling in them. That's the point. So we have the same symbolism in a physical capacity in Exodus being duplicated in a spiritual realm, also physical too, because these people were really human beings in, in the book of Acts, all because they were of one functional purpose, one ultimate goal. Not they are the same people, not the same individual, but the goal is the same. The people who were creating in, in Exodus had one goal in mind. They had generosity. They had honesty. There was no greed involved. And the people of the book of Acts, they had one goal in mind, generosity, honesty, no greed involved. They all had the same purpose, the same goal. The goal was to dwell, to dwell, a dwelling place for God in the case of the Exodus, dwelling place for God in the case of the book of Acts inside the people. Does that kind of make sense? So we have, I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful, actually, in my opinion, as far as how God reuses his symbols of the Torah and reuse them in the New Testament, the same in, in, a, in, 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 in a spiritual concept. So when I say I want to dwell with a church, a group, a community, a congregation, something, uh, so, some, some capacity in that way. If I want to dwell with them, what does it mean to dwell with them? We have one, these common purpose, our one goal. This is what makes us a family. It makes us friends. It makes us a community. Is that common goal, a common purpose? If I have a different goal, different purpose, I don't dwell with those that, that don't match, don't line up. We have the same principle that comes to our work. We all have, um, we're, if, we're, if we are gainfully employed, we have a job to do. We all do a job. We have a goal in mind. If we have a, a, a family, a wife, a, a husband, a children, whatever, we have a goal or a job in mind. We have the same purpose, our same our same same objective. So we are a unit in the perimeter of our purpose is the same. Same thing works the congregation. Let's tell all fellowship or any congregation of the whole world. If they have the same purpose, they can dwell together and be of one mind, be in unity in that community. Yeah. Yeah. I was at uh, uh, the, the song. Uh, I, I, the lyrics of the song escape me off the top of my head. But anyway, about dwelling together in, in unity. The brother, uh, how pleasant is it brothers brothers dwell together in unity? The 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 anyway, it's the same same idea. So this kind of, in my opinion, I want to bring up to you is in this Daniel's opinion of course. I connect these symbols together, and yeah, he named it Tov. Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name of the word. So he named it Tov uh, to dwell in unity. The, the idea is that. That's what makes us a unity. That makes us a group, a people, a congregation, a, a network, a fellowship, even a neighborhood. It makes us who we are because we have the same purpose in mind. We all have our own backgrounds, our own baggage, our own perspectives, but our purpose, our goal, our ultimate objective is the same. Does that make sense? Hopefully it makes sense. Any questions or comments regarding this Torah portion what I covered today? Uh, hey, I actually ended at 3.15, like Jeff said. So good job. We have Alex here. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Uh, two questions, actually. First one is, uh, can we assume that church fathers decided what was not necessary anymore, Sabbath, but they somehow kept the Ten Commandments? And um, so I don't know uh, what your comments are on that. And the other thing is, back to the temples, um, didn't they have add-ons, golden eagles and stuff? Or did were yes. they, they, did, yeah. they did throw some extra furniture in there? <laughs> yeah, there, so so as time went on, uh, Herod added. Uh, he was most famous for adding lots of stuff to it, um, and, and and when he died, I think I think I think it was Josephus records it. I forgot who records. Somebody records it that like within the first few months after his death, they ripped that eagle down because all the Judaism was infuriated by him putting a an idol in the middle of their temple. But of course, it was King Herod. If you tried to 
speak against it while he was alive, he'd kill you. So that so they waited, thought he was dead. But anyway, uh, yeah. So things got added as time went on. Uh, things were modified, tweaked, refurnished, repolished up, new wood, new things put up. It, it, it's recorded obviously in Nehemiah and and, and Ezra's time, uh, books discussing the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, how it was rebuilt and, and the, the stuff they had to deal with and the wars and the fighting and such. So things were added to it or altered as time went on. Um, and that's not to say a good or bad thing. I'm not the one who judges that. God decides what, what is good and what is not. But so things were changed or altered as time went on. But those alterations didn't last, which I think is awesome because that's what gives us our Messiah. <laughs> and the fact our temple is gone, the physical one's gone. Uh, if it was still around, it'd be a lot harder to, to convince people that, that Jesus was needed. Um, but uh, that's a whole other discussion of topic. Since it's being gone, it's 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 really easy uh, easy uh, discussion or argument. But so things that added, things are altered, furniture was changed, things are modified, and eventually God said, "I don't dwell here," and He leaves. And of course, been crushed for the past just shy two thousand years now. Not quite two thousand years. It'll be two thousand years, like thirty years, forty years from now. I mean, close to that, two thousand years almost, and it's been demolished. Uh, God doesn't dwell anymore. So his dwelling place, place of rest, place of shalom, place of peace, are his his Shabbat, so to speak. He, it's like you coming home to a miserable household. As I'd rather not be here, and so he leaves, leaving his household to disintegrate around because he has no use for it. So that's the same principle that I brought up earlier, as far as. We can build stuff, we can add stuff to it in even our own personal houses, meaning on my own body, my own spiritual body. If I add bricks to it, say, hey, this looks pretty. And God says, um, I have no use for that. Lights a match to it and burn to the ground. I get devastated. Oh, I thought it was so beautiful. And God says, yeah, you thought wrong. <laughs> so it wasn't. <laughs> so God decides what's value, what's not. So those, those are, those are, those are, so we can add things to our personal house, our personal spiritual temple, which are not necessarily good. We had to watch those, of course, test them. God theoretically would be testing them and find out, are they good or are they not good? And if they're not good, remove them. Like we have the Ananias and Sapphira example. They tried to put themselves into God's house in the form of the, the book of Acts. Hey, I'll be just like all of you. And Peter said, you're liars. <laughs> I have no use for you. And they were killed. So they were tested like literally, and then they were dead. So, they, so, so, so we can build a house genuinely with generosity, honesty, and integrity, or disingenuous with dishonesty and corruption. And of course, those get tested. Whether it's our physical, personal house and our relationship with our, our spouses or our children or our congregation or just ourselves, our relationship with us and God alone, it all gets tested. And he decides what's of value, what gets chucked or burned to the ground. Any comments or questions? Yes, we have Anne here. Um, yeah, so Go ahead, Anne. you bring up at, you bring up Sapphira and uh, Ananias, and um, all things were in common with the people. Um, how long did that go on? I mean, was it pretty quickly <laughs> that it was? Seems like it was dissolved pretty quickly after Ananias and Sapphira came into the program. Yeah, I, I don't have the answer for that question. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know for records how long. How, how much time that lapsed? So so many. I, I imagine. So so many maybe com communities of Christians have tried to do that too, you know, and right. the kibbutz, right? The kibbutzes, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't work. <laughs> yeah, because you you had the the situation where Paul wrote about it later, and it says it, it 
can lead to the situation where people don't want to work. And he finally had to write the congregation, say, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, and exactly. the, the, the pilgrims <laughs> came into the same situation. Where they had to say, no, nah, I'm sorry. This sharing everything in common can only go so far as people are benevolent. Because right. these socialist governments do that, but they have to force people to do that. They force it. You're right. That's true. Yes, because it, it, it just it just doesn't work. People people aren't people don't do that, and and, and dishonest people and corrupt people show up. Like we have a Cora, which will come later. <laughs> dishonest, corrupt person. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at halel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Halel.info. Halel.info.